Welcome to Demand Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demand, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demondcast. Thank you if it's your first time, and thank you if it's your next time for joining us on Demand Does. Please remember to leave a five-star review wherever you download this and leave a comment or two. It helps the show get seen by more people so more can join the conversation. My guest went to college for audio engineering and recorded music production and now uses his powers for good as the host of Yes, We Are Open and more importantly, the Produce Stand, a Letterkenny podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Al Grego. How are you now? Good and you? Not so bad. <laughs> Every person that's been a Letter Kitty fan that I've had on so far. I've actually been on the giving in of the how are you now. That's why it took me a minute to like, oh, what is the answer to that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a secret handshake. If you get it wrong, I hang up. Oh, no. I'm glad I got it right. I'm glad <laughs> I took a second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I was wondering if you were like, wait a minute, did I, did I say the wrong podcast? Is it the proto stand or is it how are you now? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I've I think I sp- kept misspelling "How are you now?" Every time I uh, when I was doing the uh, show notes for that show, I kept putting "How are you now?" For some reason, I don't know. Maybe it's just a weird <laughs> mental quirk. Al, thank you for taking time out to talk to a perfect stranger. I appreciate it. No, no, my pleasure. And you're no longer a perfect stranger. I feel like I know you very well. Now. I've listened to a bunch of your episodes here, and I'm a listener of the uh, Disputed Pod as well. So uh, I, I feel like I know you. Well, I'm not sure if that uh I'm not sure if I should be uh nervous or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no need. No need for nerve. So before we get started into the six questions, where would you like to be found on the internet? I find that Twitter has been my home for a while now. I like Twitter. So you can find me on the Produce and Pod on Twitter at the Produce and Pod. Sorry, not that. There's no that. I'm, I've already got this wrong. So my my pre, my uh, co-host Matt's going to laugh at me that I'm getting this wrong. So it's at Protestant Pod is the podcast Twitter account, and my personal account is at EFTW. So if you want to find me there, you can find me there or at Protestant Pod. All righty, Al, are you ready to answer the six questions? We'll see. I'll try. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to get into podcasting? Quite a while ago. Uh, I've, I've been, I was an early adopt, adopter to podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts probably since 2005, since before they were called podcasts. I know that I'm, I'm sound a bit like a hipster when I say that, but it, it's actually true. Um, I'm a, you know, a bit of a fan of radio. And I found podcasts were just, you know, radio shows that I could watch, you know, listen to on demand. And, and I really enjoyed them. So early on, I was listening to, uh, you know, uh, This American Life. And I was listening to, there was a, a podcast called The Lost Podcast with Jay and Dan. And that was kind of, for those who watched the show Lost, it was an after show. It was my first you know, exposure to 
what a podcast could be as, as, as in terms of like of being a fan vehicle for for a TV show, uh, which might sound familiar because that's what we're doing now. Yeah, so early on, I was listening to those, and I have that audio engineering background, so I always thought that maybe one day I'd like to do something like that. Fast forward to many, many years later, the pandemic <laughs> kind of hit, and uh, you know, my other life is, is a weekend musician kind of got canceled because there was no there were no gigs, and I needed a creative outlet. So I, um, you know, called up some friends and said, "Hey, let's do a podcast," and then. Uh, the letter Kenny part of it came later. I just we just needed to decide that we're going to do one, and then uh, we needed to find out okay, what's the subject going to be? And uh, uh, this new show that I discovered—it's not new, but when I discovered it, it was also during the pandemic. I'm like, well, let's do a letter Kenny show because I looked around and there were a couple of others, but nothing. You know, uh, there was uh, being how are you now in Seattle, and there was one in, in Toronto, based out of Toronto, but they didn't seem to be podcasting very regularly so i thought you know why not it's a cult favorite so maybe we can uh, get ourselves a cult following by doing letter kenny that's what we did yeah you did (laughs) (laughs) one of the things i really like about your show is that sense of community like even the produce stand for those of you who haven't seen the show you know that's where the hicks hang out and you, it really does listening listening to you guys it just sounds like for you know now you know when you have a guest five old buddies just kind of hanging out and uh shoot you know pardon the pardon the language shooting the shit and just you know busting each other's chops and it's like it's very in line with the show that you watch and the community you've created around it I, i've been I've, I've been amazed by the how do i put this i've admired from afar yeah, I mean, uh, we've been pleased about it too. And I mean, I always knew, like, I kind of knew right from the beginning for a podcast to be successful, just because all my favorite podcasts and the ones that I know have a strong listenership, they're built around a community. And I knew that if, if we wanted, to, if we were going to get listeners, it would have, that's what we would have to do. It wasn't enough to just put a, an episode out a week. We needed to engage people and we needed to figure different ways to, to engage the community and to get to know them personally. And uh, we lucked out. I mean, I, I'd like to say that I'm a genius and, and that's the reason I picked Letter Candy. But no, I mean, the, picking this show was kind of just, it was there. Uh, so it was kind of a fluke. And then the community itself, you know, I, I've tried building communities around other things in the past and they haven't stuck. Uh, but for some reason around Letter Kenny, it's it stuck. So I give a lot of credit to the, the fandom. I think they were a group of people who were a accepting because you know rather than being um, rivals to the other like how are you now and to the Letter Kenny podcast, we reached out and they welcomed us in even though we were the latecomers and the fans themselves were were happy to have us too. So I think we lucked out. It was it wasn't genius. It was just luck. Well, you had to put things in place. So you know, take your flowers, man. Yeah. Except your flowers. No, yeah. I mean, I put things in place before and and had zero or very little follow through, right? So, I think the the subject matter was right for it. The timing was right too. I mean, it was, it's a pandemic, right? So a lot of people are sitting at home looking for for connections. So I think it was maybe just a confluence of a bunch of different things that came together to to do this. And uh, I know I'm happy about it. Like it's amazing. It's been great. We have um. 
Twitter DM group of 60 people who are always <laughs> uh, on there chatting with each other and getting to know each other, people from all over the world, like, and, you know, congregating and brought together by this one common fandom. So it's been great. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you first started out? Well, a couple of things. First of all, there was a lot of time that I spent hand wringing and wondering. Like, I want to do a podcast, but I don't. I don't know what I want to do it on. Like, you know, I'm a fan of music, and I'm a musician. I'm a fan of movies, but I never like. I didn't think I was enough of an expert to start any one of those podcasts. So, well, I think the first thing I wish I'd known is it doesn't matter what what subject you pick, <laughs> just start doing it. And then, you, you know, you'll, you'll work on your chops, you'll get better at it. And, uh, and I think the content will kind of guide you in the right direction, right? And then the other thing is, uh, and this is something I learned at work, and, and I'm employing it with the podcast as well, is the saying, perfection is the enemy of progress. You know, at first, being an engineer and stuff, I wanted, you know, episode one to be perfect. Uh, listening back now to episode one of our podcast, it, it is far from perfect. And what I've learned is it's going to actually be a continuum. It's just going to get better and better and better. Some things will drop off. You know, some ideas that we thought were great. You can't be too precious about them. They're not working out. we got to stop doing them. And sometimes a happy accident turns into something that we do on the regular. So, for example, you know, now we start every one of our episodes with a limerick. But uh, that didn't happen until halfway through. The perfectionist in me is like, well, now I want to go back and re-record the beginnings to all my other episodes so that they all start with limericks. But of course, I'm not going to do that because that's stupid. <laughs> that's that's silly. <laughs> right. But um, yeah. So yeah, perfection is the enemy of progress. You just gotta be happy with 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 growth. Question number three: What is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Uh, that's a tough one because uh, I like we like a lot of food and, and we're lucky to, to live in a place where the world is our oyster here. I mean, especially the city of Toronto is one of the more multicultural cities on the planet, so we can basically eat anything. But one of my go-to foods that I can I can essentially eat weekly is Japanese. I love Japanese food. I like sushi. I like you know teriyaki and all that stuff. And so you know, whenever I do go out, if, if a Japanese place is I, I believe it's a Korean dish, so sometimes you have to go to a Japanese place that's owned by Koreans, but a bulgogi is one of my favorites. It's like a chopped sirloin. It's really tasty. Just with some rice and some sushi and stuff, that's, that's kind of, that's my, my bliss. I can eat that all the time. That sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> how, did you, how did you discover this place? Or, I mean, you, you know, you talk about Toronto being very uh, multicultural and you can find just about anything. Is there any kind of uh, interesting story on how you discovered it? Well, I mean, even just discovering Japanese food in general, like I, 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 I came from a small town. I grew up in a small town, much like Letterkenny, actually. And uh, in that town, it was basically a lot of Portuguese, a lot of Italians, and a lot of Dutch. So there wasn't a whole lot of cuisine, diverse cuisine in my hometown. When I went to, to Toronto for college, all these worlds just opened up to me. So I, you know, I tried Caribbean time. I tried uh, Indian for the first time. I tried all these different flavors. And I love them all. 
Japanese. It was, it was just introduced to me, and I remember the first time having sushi and, and, and not liking it. But after a while, it just it grew on me, and then to the point where now I really enjoy it. And it's of all the other ones, it's kind of the lightest. You know, like when you have like Indian, it can kind of sit with you for <laughs> for a while. And same with with a lot of Caribbean with, with all the spice and stuff. And to me, like Japanese is kind of clean and and light and like it's it's filling because of all the rice but uh it's something that i can eat a lot of and not not get sick of it question number four what are you curious about yeah that was a tough one to, to kind of pin down but i think in general i'm just curious about the creative process where creativity comes from like uh because that kind of covers uh, a bunch of different things like for myself writing scripts for the podcast or, or, or doing creative work for work you know i've been doing this for a long time and i'm still i still don't know where the ideas come from you know what i mean like sometimes i'll be too tired and, and i feel like when i'm tired but also under pressure is when my most creative work comes out and then sometimes when I'm refreshed and full of energy, but have all the time in the world, I can't come up with any ideas. <laughs> That's always curious. And then just watching other people doing creative work. Like, for example, the, the new Beatles documentary that just came out on, on Disney Plus, the, the Peter Jackson, the Get Back. I marveled watching that because just watching these amazing, you know, legendary songs come to life and where they came from. And, and I'm like witnessing this. And to me, that that's fascinating. Like my wife would watch it and go, yeah, so what? He's playing guitar like you do. But I'm like, no, he's writing a song. Like that was that riff. He just, that just turned into get back. Don't you understand what just happened there? He gave birth to a song. So to me, that's really fascinating stuff. And, you know, even looking at behind the scenes of movies and any, any kind of artistic endeavor, I'm always curious as to where, the idea is where the creativity comes from. Imagine if you could figure out how to harness that, right? Like, I just never know when it's going to hit, right? And uh, it'd be nice to get the conditions to the point where, like, I used to be in an original band, so songwriting. The songwriting was torturous. I hated doing it. <laughs> you know, in the end, you'd come up, you'd have, a, like, a, a new song, and you're proud of it, and it's, it's great because it's something you created. But the process, for me, the process of getting to, from idea to, to finished product was, was painful. And it hasn't gotten any better, has it? No, it gets worse as you get older, I think. I, you get too in your head when you, as you get older. So self-conscious and stuff like that, that all kind of, I think, inhibits creativity. That's a good point. That's why you don't get too many older songs. I mean, some still do. But as artists get older, the, the, the material they release isn't usually as cutting edge as it was when they were younger. Very, very good point. You see that across all mediums too, whether it's music or you know, stand-up comedy or you know anything like that. It's a good point. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Question number five: What should I ask you? that I didn't know enough to ask. Well, I mean, we could chat movies if you want. I'm a movie fan <laughs> and I like talking movies. So that was one of the ideas for a podcast. But again, there's so many of them out there, but I'm always game for talking movies. Like, uh, you know, what kind of movies do you like? 
I, it depends on the kind of mood I'm in, really. Like, we watch a lot <laughs> of urban fantasy around here. I'm a nerd from way back, so seeing um, the Marvel superheroes on on the big screen is like something I never would have expected. And like, I've endured all the ridicule and <laughs> and pain <laughs> to for now to bring forth the fruit of the labor of that is the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> Um, big Star Wars fan. I caught me off guard with that one. I'd, I'd have to think about uh, <laughs> think about that some more. I like heist movies. What about you? Yeah, I don't know if I gravitate to any one genre. Genre like I like the the MCU movies. Although once Endgame was done, I've, I've kind of lost interest in, in like because now they're setting up a new I guess universe or a new storyline. And I've seen a few of the the movies after Endgame, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I'm old now, and I don't you know I don't care as much. But they're, they're losing me a bit because they're also getting into this kind of weird territory with the whole multiverse and stuff. That's kind of I don't know. It's kind of a little too out there for me. I mean, I know that Space Raccoon should be too out there for me, but I enjoyed that. But for some reason, I can't wrap my head around you know Doctor Strange and all that stuff. I've been weird about that too. Like, I don't like magic in my comic books. It doesn't, I, I have a hard yeah. time wrapping my head around that too. I think that's the difference, right? It's the magic. Like, if it's magic, then sure. Like, have, you know, I like Harry Potter, like the wizarding world, but this is like they're mixing in superheroes with magic and it's just a weird, I'm sure it's fine. Like, I, I like those movies just fine. Like, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, she's, she's an amazing actor, so I'll watch him in anything. But, uh, the stakes don't feel real when it seemingly anything's possible, right? Like no one will die because you can snap a finger and bring back people back to life or something. Right? It doesn't seem there. There's no stakes anymore. Then, right? It's like there's no danger that you know somebody might die for good because it's magic. It's a multiverse. You can just dip into another dimension and pull that person out of the dimension, and, and there they are again, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just seems weird. But anyway, in terms of like. A, I, I gravitate to, I mean, quirky movies. I like comedies, obviously. Um, 80s is, is, is my jam. 80s and 90s was, you know, kind of my wheelhouse for movies. And and I, I kind of gravitate to dark comedies and, and sometimes sad movies. It's weird, but I, I really enjoy a good sad movie, uh, depending on, on the subject matter. They, they kind of like music, too. Like, you know, nothing beats a good sad song sometimes, right? Like, depending on your mood. You said 80s and 90s. Like, that's right up my alley. So, like, what are some of your yeah, favorites from sure. back then? Well, you know, I mean, John Hughes stuff, right? Uh, back to the Future, the Ghostbusters. Those, I know those aren't John Hughes. But so you have the John Hughes movies, the Ferris Bueller's, the Pretty in Pink, uh, uh, Weird Science and stuff like that. Then you have Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, all, all of that. I loved all of that. Not a huge horror movie fan, so I don't, I don't really gravitate to any of those but in, in the 90s i got i got more interested like interested in the drama and the in the thrillers right like few good man usual suspects uh that kind of stuff but the, the 90s i thought were really good for that you plucked on my heartstrings when you said usual suspects for sure yeah great whodunit and yeah and just amazing performances there. i know we're not supposed to like that guy anymore or talk about him anymore but he he had a string of amazing movies in the in the 90s kevin spacey 
He is good at what he does, and uh, yeah. that does not excuse his behavior. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Question number six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? I'm going to give you a very Canadian answer. Terry Fox Day. And I know a lot of your listeners might not be Canadian and may not know who he is, but he's probably one of the greatest Canadians ever. And just a little background, he ran a marathon of hope across the country on one leg back in the 80s, the early, early 80s. At 18, he had cancer and he lost his leg to cancer. And he wanted to um, raise awareness and raise money. So he did this marathon of hope and he started from the East Coast. And his plan was he was going to run a, basically a marathon a day for however, however many days it took him to get across the country. And he started doing that, and he stopped in every small town and did media appearances and on one leg. It was, it was an insane story that, uh, you know, news footage followed him, like news cameras followed him throughout the whole thing. He got as far as uh, northern Ontario and then uh, fell to lung cancer, unfortunately, so he never made it. But to this day, there's uh, marathons being run in his name in 60 different countries. He's raised, you know, eight hundred over eight hundred and fifty million dollars in his name for cancer research, and he doesn't have a freaking holiday in Canada. I mean, in in uh, one of the prov- our provinces, our uh, August long weekend civic holiday has been renamed Terry Fox Day, but it hasn't been done. They haven't done that across the country, and I think that's a shame because if you want to talk about like, there's a lot of canceling going on of like historical figures and, and, and people who are, um, you know, maybe lauded for, for whatever accomplishments they did, but then you find out later that they're horrible people and should, you know, should be taken down. But Barry Fox, what he did was amazing. And, uh, at, at such a young age and, and, and his legacy still stands to this day across the planet. So I, don't, I can't think of a better person for, uh, you know, a commemorative, national holiday than him wow that is a really really cool story i'd never i i'd never heard that before he did that on one leg on one leg he had a, a, a mechanical leg that just kind of snapped into place and basically he hopped he hopped ac- across well not across the country but halfway across the country uh he ran a marathon a day for i forget how many days just it, it was insane what he did there's a, I mean, they've made a few movies about him and stuff, and uh, we learn about him here in, in elementary school. Obviously, he's, he's one of the great Canadians, and like it's a great story. I highly recommend you know check it out, read up on him because what he's doing, and, and like I said, there's runs in his name. A, a Terry Fox runs in 60 different countries, probably in the U.S. too, but of course he's most known here. You know, there's statues to him. There's 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 days commemorating him, but there's no holiday. And uh, if you're going to name a holiday after somebody, forget politicians, forget war, <laughs> war heroes. And so this is a guy you should name it after. Absolutely. Are you, wow. I, I can't believe I'd never heard of him before. That's that mm-hmm. is great. A marathon a day. That is amazing. Has anybody, tri- has yeah. anybody replicated that? Like actually made it? Well, I won't say actually like it was, you know, it's no big deal or anything. Yeah. But has anybody made, actually made it across? So, I mean, runs have been done in his name, like 
since then. Like he right. died in uh, 1981. Mm-hmm. So every year, the runs have been done in his name. Later on, a few years later, there was a, a, a paraplegic named Rick Hansen, and he did uh, what was it called? Uh, a similar thing where he went across the country in a wheelchair again to raise money, but that was for his cause, which uh, I'm ashamed to, to say I don't remember what it was. But but the thing is, but Terry Fox, when he died, I was way too young, so I was six, and I remember hearing about him in the news and stuff and seeing news reports of him stopping in at schools and as he's going through these towns. But he, and I think he even ran through my town, but I was way too young to remember. But Rick Hansen, the guy who did it in the wheelchair, I do remember him coming to my school. And he didn't make it across. I think he may have crossed a couple of times. So, I mean, Rick Hansen, he's another great Canadian, but but Terry Fox was the first. He was the OG. Wow. <laughs> Al, yeah. thank you so <laughs> so much for your time i appreciate it thank you very much yeah i appreciate being on and thank you once again for tuning in for demand does and if you could take a quick minute if you hadn't already please go on to your favorite podcast app and leave a review leave a five star or the highest number of stars that you can give so more people can see the show that's how it gets seen so until next time see you Hear it, speak it.